know that um, it's a time of day, and I know we're just starting getting school. I know Kevin, for Joe, uh, Joe's sake, I know he's really tired. I know he, he mentioned he's probably be really tired today. Uh, he's but, not tired. He just doesn't want to be here with me. He's my best friend. <laughs> if anything to keep me down, it's okay. But I, I'm posting today. I'm here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hopefully we get Joe on in the future. I think we will. Um, but I want to give an introduction to Kevin here. Uh, Kevin has been a professional hitting consultant and baseball coach for over 19 years. He uh, currently works or has worked with uh, minor league and major league players from all 30 major league baseball organizations. In 2013, Kevin was the hitting coach for the USA Baseball 18 and Under National Team which beat Japan for the gold medal at the IBAF World Cup in Taiwan. Now, you're probably thinking, is this a baseball Zoomer teaching them? Well, good answer or good question, because the answer here is all great coaches are great teachers, and Kevin is certainly one of those. I think he is uh, unique in the way that he talks uh, to players one-on-one, -on -one, gets to create relationships with them, and I think – also, Kevin is one of the best listeners in the world today, and I'm so happy he's on our second edition of Classroom Chatter. So to get started today, I, had, I started some getting to know you questions, and they're uniquely school-themed, and I think we'll have some uh, interesting answers to the questions. So I got to know, what was your favorite subject in school and why? Can I say Jim? <laughs> <laughs> um. It's, it's funny, my wife was like, you're doing what tonight? Because um, she knows that just just upfront, transparent, I, it, I never liked school um, and I really didn't like it. And here's why, I'll tell you, and this is, it can, it'll lead back into why I do what I do every day, is I didn't have a teacher really until college. And, I'll, and I'll, that's basically going to be my answer to a class in college that I took. Yeah. But I, didn't, I had some really good teachers. My son actually had some of the same teachers uh, that I had at the same school uh, as he was going mm -hmm. up. So that was, that was cool. I, had, I did have teachers that cared about me. I did have teachers that were, you know, treated me really well. And they uh, guided me and they slapped me in the butt when I needed it and all that um, and kept me on the path. Um, but what I didn't like about the entire structure of school itself was they were not individualizing the teaching for me personally in my path to how I learned. And I wasn't, I went to private schools. I wasn't in a classroom at a public school that had, you know, 500 kids in it or something like that. So we were small between 20 and 25 per class going through grade school into a private high school. We only had 115 in my class. So I went to uh, predominantly small schools when I was growing up and but I didn't have a teacher that said hey how do you learn Kev like where are you from like what what's your background um you know math was a I was terrible still terrible at math my son's a genius he's got his mom's math genes thank god because I don't know anything about math um but I'll give you a quick example I I failed math in high school and I had to go in the summer and take tutoring for math. And my assistant baseball coach was going to tutor me. The problem with that was not because he was a baseball coach, not because he, he pitched in pro ball. It was because he was a Harvard math major. Oh. And I didn't know math. Two plus two was the peak for me. That was the ceiling. That was the top for me. So we were sitting at the kitchen table in the summer 
And his wife, Vicky, because he'd be like, Kev, you need to do this, this, and this to get to the answer. Again, Harvard math major. And I'd be like, I have, no, I go this way. I take this route. Yeah, you know, the GPS is going to take an extra five minutes, but I got to the answer. This is the way that I do it. And he couldn't, he couldn't understand that because he was so far ahead of me and a lot of other people. If you're going to Harvard for a math major, you are, you're kind of in the 1%. Yeah. Right? But his wife, Vicky, would come down to the kitchen table and hear us fighting. She goes, stop, Chris, stop, stop, stop. Kev, how do you want to go to that answer? How do you do that? Show me how you get to that answer. And I would show her and she goes, Chris, he, he's like me. Like, leave him alone. Like, he got to the answer, didn't he? So that's uh, uh, one of the examples of many where I feel like I didn't have a teacher that really understood, for me, in my experience, me, and was willing to teach me the way that I learned. First of all, getting to know me and then getting to know how I learned to help me get to that answer. It may have been a different route. I may have been a little bit late to the party, but I got there and I understood the material and I could kind of take it with me going forward. Fast forward to college, I had such a person. And it was a guy that was an ex-state trooper from Kentucky. I went to the University of Cincinnati. So here's this Hilljack from Kentucky who was a state trooper for, I don't know how many years. Awesome guy. We had the Ohio Revised Code for uh, a criminal law class. It was this big. <laughs> and what he did was he said, okay, Smith versus Jones. Ah, 1974, there was this case that I was on. And here's what it was. And he would tell this story. And we'd go through this whole elaborate story. And we went, that was the only A I've ever gotten in any of my schooling was in that class in college. Because he, told, he taught the class through a story. And that's how I related to it. And then going down, learning about teaching. And as you guys know, like storytelling, that's how we all are wired. If someone tells a really good story, there's a piece of that that sticks out that we can relate the material to. So the long-winded answer to your question is, uh, if it was, it was criminal law at the University of Cincinnati taught by a, a ex-retired Kentucky State Trooper who related the material through a story, almost like in the movie Road Trip where he related ancient philosophy to WWE wrestling. You know, Vince McMahon was the, the Socrates of, of everything. So it's learning. He learned how, like we learn in terms of storytelling, I certainly gravitated toward that. And that's kind of, and I don't want to jump ahead to maybe another question, Zach, you got, but that's kind of what kind of piqued my interest on, okay, how do people learn? And how can, maybe in the future, I can teach people better. So I think all great teachers... I think all great teachers uh, use some form of storytelling. You know, there's good, there's a difference between good and great. And you know that you certainly know that in, in the realm of um, professional baseball. I mean, there's, there's a difference between good and great. And uh, I, I'm getting thoughts of Abraham Lincoln in regards to um, storytelling, master storyteller, and no question about it. One of the greatest leaders and certainly in our country's history. Um, to um, to enact uh, literally uh, culture changing stuff that uh, that has made our country better. All right, we were um, all Americans weren't free until every American was free, and he certainly led 
the groundwork for that. So, and, and of course he captivated audiences with storytelling and that's excellent. And I think that's what makes you so unique in the realm of coaches. I think you're a great storyteller. Uh, and I could listen to, to you talk for hours, to be honest. Uh, that's just me. Uh, but it, you're, you're great at that. Uh, and I'm so, I mean, it's certified zoom gold already with the first answer. Make so, sure you tell Joe that because Joe is the master storyteller. You guys might see that when he comes on one day, maybe. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. He'll be a great guest. He'll be a great guest on a, on a future episode. But uh, this will be fun. I think everyone likes food. So favorite lunch item and why? In school? Yeah, for school. Okay. So um, my mom packed my lunch every day she packed and, and this is i'm kind of plain jane with a lot of things um but she packed peanut butter and jelly where i think it was a, a record 12 years in a row same paper brown bag same napkin i never used year in and year out um so i was i was good with that but i will say when i got to, to high school i went to we're from philadelphia and and uh so i went to a high school just outside of philly and uh, if you guys have ever been to Philadelphia, we're known for, yeah, the cheesesteak, but it's Philly soft pretzels, like the thick, soft pretzels with the salt delicately placed on top and evenly spread out. So we would have, like in high school, we would have our break. So it was like a 20-minute, 30-minute break or whatever. We go down the cafeteria, and I get, and this is maybe dating myself, but I get four pretzels and a little tub of cream cheese for a dollar. No, 50 cents, sorry, 50 cents. So I got four pretzels and a little thing of cream cheese and I dipped that in, boom. That was my, that's my 1A. So I, it was peanut butter and jelly. I don't know if it was my favorite, but I certainly was consistent with it. But the Philadelphia soft pretzel dipped in cream cheese. If you've ever taken a, a soft pretzel and put it in cream cheese before, you know what I'm talking about. If not, it's worth a try. Bria, I think you need to try that out because me and Kev here, we've got it figured out. We've got it figured out with what's delicious. Okay, and, uh, I need to know what your favorite Kenall County school lunch was. Oh, mine? Oh, it's 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 done. You know, and you, I think you know the answer. It's oh. pepperoni roll day. And I don't know if Kevin. Knows. It had to be. I don't know if Kevin knows what a pepperoni roll is, but it's a West Virginia cultural delight. I, I've heard of it. Yeah, I have not had it though, but I know yeah. enough West Virginians to to know that it's that's where you need to go. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's delicious. It's uh, it's literally a pizza within a roll, and it's fantastic. Well, on that subject, I'll fast forward to college. So in college, at Cincinnati, we at the bookstore, which you know you go to any college now, it's crazy. They got Barnes and Nobles and Starbucks and whatever, but it was like McDonald's, and then it was this like bookstore, and they made these pizza bagels. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was healthy for you. I really don't know what they put in it. I don't know where it came from, but we ate that probably four to five days a week. It took about forty-five minutes to make, so you literally put your order in. You went someone maybe to class, and you come back before cell phones, and then you pick it up and. They were good. So that maybe yeah. maybe an addition to that is is the pizza bagel at, on campus. At I think that could be one A. I think we I think we can give you a pass. I think we'll give you a pass. But just know when you come to West Virginia, pepperoni roll, it's gotta happen. It's gotta uh, happen. 
Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. My next trip. Um, so, as you can hear, uh, my boy Blue in the background barking at neighbors. Um, <laughs> my boy Blue, I like it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you answer your favorite uh, teacher and why. And I think storytelling and individualizing and, and relating to your students is super important. I think uh, uh, both Harlesses here can uh, agree with, but when it comes to special education, that's, that's the mm. key ingredient. And that's the key ingredient in coaching, really. Um, but I want to ask you this, which individuals help you find out uh, that you wanted to be a professional hitting consultant or baseball coach? Um, it was, it took a village. It really did. It was, um, I think for all of us, we can kind of look back on the people that really planted the seeds or came up alongside of us and poured into us at different parts of our life. And sometimes we didn't really know what they, they were there doing it because we're so focused on kind of what we thought we were going to do or wanted to do, or maybe it's something you always wanted to do, but I can name so many people um, that have poured into me and, and I'm sitting here before you guys, uh, certainly not because of anything that I did. Um, there are a lot of people that, that really, uh, and continue to come alongside me and, and, and help pour into me. And I think that's the beauty of teaching right at the, at the core of it is it's to serve and to serve others and not to be served. So I guess if I could pick a couple out, um, man, um, I'll just give you two maybe signposts um, on, on kind of a journey. And Zach, you've probably heard a couple of them, of these guys actually, but one is Charlie Manuel, who's a, a, a Charlie's been in the game, still in the game for, uh, I don't know, he's 75 now. He's been in the game for a long, long time. World Series champion, he's been a manager, a hitting coach, you name it, he's Mr. Baseball. If you're in baseball, you know who Chuck is. Uh, he's, he's a good old country boy from Virginia. Um, and uh, you guys probably think he speaks normal, but uh, people in Philly, they had a couple of years to figure out what he was talking about. But Chuck, um, Chuck is so, he's forgotten more hitting than I will ever know. That's the kind of realm that we're in. And I think sometimes when we look at people that come alongside of us and we think maybe they're just a little bit out of our league or we'll never get there, but you have a lot of respect for them. We sometimes don't feel like we can get there or we can, wow, like it's almost intimidating. Like I want to be like that guy, but I'm so far from that person or they're here. And I feel like I'm at the very, very bottom, like not even on the screen, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm off. And, and Chuck has such a great way about him. And for me personally, he just poured into me and, and simply just, just saying stuff simple. It wasn't any like these big speeches. He's, you know, he's a talker, but he's not a, it's not going to put together like an Abe Lincoln speech, right? It's, it's going to be a lot of hona ha son and a hona ho hain ha. And he's going to, but it's genuine and it's, and it's heartfelt. And he's not going to say something that he doesn't believe in as well. So you know when it comes out of his mouth that he believes in it. And I think when we, we listen to those people that really believe in what they're saying, whether it's a, from a passion piece or whatever, then we look and we're like, well, he really believes in me. So he put his arm around me and said, Kev, you can coach, man. You can do this. You can absolutely coach the big leaders. You can absolutely do this. And you're good at what you do. Your opportunity will come. And that's basically what he told me. And for that's a sh very short version of it. But he, he was one that I was like, well, maybe I can do this. Okay. And it got me started. It kind of started into consulting. After I got done playing, I was 
started to do some more coaching and I started getting into it. And the second guy is a guy by the name of Jeff Bannister, who also he played in the big leagues as well and, and managing the big leagues. And Jeff, when he was the Pirates, he's got an incredible story, cancer survivor, um, almost was paralyzed at a collision at home plate. He got one major league at bat for the Pirates in 1990 and hit a chopper to the shortstop and like ran it out, barely beating out like Crash Davis in the movie Major League. Just like, it's like one of those unbelievable stories but anyway so banny so i got the the luxury and the privilege of being released from the pirates by jeff bannister so my last team to play for he said sorry kev we're gonna have to send you home and fast forward i don't know how many like six years later he comes to me and he puts his finger in my chest in philly during batting practice on the field when the pirates came in to play the phillies i came down to see a client of mine and he goes what do you what have you been doing I see that you're, you're, you're doing some coaching or whatever. Like, where are we going with this? And I kind of gave him a kind of like, obviously not a very good answer because I was kind of half in, half out. Still, even with Chuck telling me this and other people, I, you know, sometimes we just still don't think we can kind of do it. And the thing that I was going to do was no one else was doing it the way that I wanted to do it in terms of a, yeah, a hitting coach, but also a mentor. Zach knows this, a mentor, a life coach. The mentor and life coach piece takes up 90% of what I do on a daily basis. The 10% is the hitting. And I think we can all relate to that too. It's like, are we going to teach English or math or science or whatever? That's the 10% of it. But how do we grow young people? How do we pour into them? How do we mentor them? How do we use that platform in in order to teach life lessons from? And listen, I hang out with miserable people for seven months a year usually. From opening day until the end of the season to hit a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sport and they don't call me when i'm doing well so banny put his finger in my chest and said kev you can do this you can you can be here right now and if you know banny it's hard to explain him but he because of being a cancer survivor and going through all again it's the same thing as chuck but it, he hit me in a different stage like chuck set me up like the alley-oop and then banny slam dunked it for me in that moment, he had me surrounded by on the field with big leaguers, and he's telling him with almost telling me with almost tears in his eyes, "You need to do this because this is the only opportunity you're going to get." And so, with those two guys, amongst so many, they had the similar theme, but I think it's also a great lesson in the timing of our communication, right? Chuck planted the seeds along with a lot of other people, but then he had a signpost with Charlie a signpost with Banny in the time where I needed those two things amongst other things the most, but those are the two tipping point ones. Um, And again, without those guys and a lot of other people, I'm not doing what I'm doing today. I think it's a great example too of sometimes we may believe in ourselves, but when somebody else that we respect believes in us I think sometimes we take for granted, myself included, the words that come out of our mouth are powerful. It can either tear us down or build us up. So if our timing of our communication is right, if we've thought it out as a mentor, as a teacher, as a leader, then all of a sudden when we are faced with that opportunity to pour into somebody and change their life, I always say that all it takes is five minutes to change someone's life. Charlie took five minutes, probably less. Banny took less than five minutes. That's less than 10 minutes that those two people took. And I'm doing what I'm doing 
because of their five, their 10 minutes, along with a lot of everybody else's five minutes poured into me. So that's why, Zach, you know, I'm a big believer in that five minutes, the timing of our communication. And we got to make really certain that what comes out of our mouth is thought through that when they come to us, like I said, miserable people, they call me when they're going, things are going bad. My job, our job is to be ready with the answer for them. Last night I was up to one in the morning with a client of mine. He, I waited him out. He's been struggling the last couple of weeks. I've been waiting him out. I know his personality. I know not to push anything. He texted me about 1130 last night. Boom. I had exact, I was ready for him. I was like laying in the weeds. I was wet. I was ready for him. Now this is not, you know, we've got a, a relationship. It's not the first time, but I know him and all that. But the timing of it, what I said last night, he was just playing uh, uh, right before I got on here. He just had an at bat <clears throat> and he made a, an adjustment from last night. Did I go to, did I go in the cage room? No, I haven't left the house, you know, but because I know him so well and I said the right things in the right tone with what he needed, the answer to his question that he came to me with, he fixed it right away. So not to go off, but you know me, Zach, I kind of get passionate about it, but those are two guys. No, it's awesome. Uh, two points that come to mind here. One is getting back to your story. You have to have someone to believe in your potential and see your potential first to set you on the right path. But then there's going to be someone along the way that's going to challenge you to maintain you on that right path because they see that potential. So I think there's two people that, that, that can believe in you. One, to set you on that path. And the second one, to keep you on that path. Um, and that, that's kind of a job as a teacher and coach, right? Um, the, let's just say the student or student athlete is the car on this highway, right? And we're the guardrails. And that's, that's kind of how I envision uh, being a teacher and coach. That's, that's our job. They, you know, this is their uh, educational career and this is their career. And we need to make the most of it because they deserve it. And we need to be the teacher or coach that we always wanted. And I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's your job. You, you do an excellent job, obviously. A lot of what you're saying is it hits home. It, it hits home with teachers and it hits home with coaches because teaching and coaching is the same job, really. It's just two different environments. Um, it's two different environments. Um, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll die on that soapbox forever. Uh, there's some people that'll, that'll um, say, oh, no, it's, it's totally different. Well, that's, no, it's the same thing. I mean, if the best coach of all time, John Wooden, um, said that, then I think it's I think it's evergreen. I really do. Um, another thing, uh, what has led you to teach by questioning? I know we went into storytelling earlier, but what has led you to teach by uh, questioning? Because I didn't know the material as well as Charlie or anybody else, so I used my cheating in school to cheat in terms of a question, meaning, man, I don't know how to fix this guy. Uh, he's, I don't know where his mindset is or where he came from. He came, I don't know what that is. So let me ask questions. So hopefully he kind of gives me a clue in terms of how to fix it. Because at the end of the day, for me, a lot of it is they will tell me how they're going to fix their own problem. They come to me looking for answers from me, but I question them to death. A lot of it is they get so annoyed at me at first because when we first start working, like, just give me the answer now, you know, especially today where I can Google it. Right. And I'm guilty of it too. It's like, Oh man, like, what? like the other night we went to this new restaurant that was over here this year. And I was like, 
why don't they have their menu on their website? They don't even have a website. What, what? You know, and I did the same thing. I'm no different than anybody else. But for me, I ask a lot of questions because I, I at the beginning was because I didn't know all the plays in the playbook, if you, if you will. I didn't have all the clubs in my golf bag. I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have that wedge. I didn't have that, you know, deep route in football. I don't know anything about football, but, uh, but you know, I didn't have all those plays. And for me, it was like, okay, if I can ask them, then maybe number one, it stalls, gives me more time. But it turned into like, listen, they're going to tell me, like, if I, if it's a mechanical thing, I think right away. But if I ask them what's on their mind, they might be like, oh man. My sister's really sick and parents are splitting up. And I'm like, oh, well, that's why you're hyper in the box. That's why you're walking around like this all the time. Or that's why you popped off at your teammate the other day. Like, so I feel like if we're not asking a question anyway, that doesn't have to be the right question right now. But I started it because I didn't know all the material. And I don't know everything now. So I don't want to make it seem like I know everything about what I'm doing. I'm just... 20 years in, I'm, you know, like everybody, you know, 20 years of doing something, you're going to be better off, hopefully, if you're doing it right, than when you started, or 10, or 5, or whatever. So 20 years in it, for me, is I'm asking better questions. I'm challenging myself to ask a better question, not certainly a question. So it started off from lack of knowledge, but then it turned into like, wow, you know, they're going to tell me exactly what's going on. I have a, I have a, a, a perceived notion by my eyes. What I see but once I get under the hood, then maybe we go a different route to fix the same issue. Because that to me is more important because now we actually, now we didn't fix, we didn't put a band-aid on the situation. What we did, we, we fixed it long-term. I have the worst marketing plan of any business out there. My marketing plan is I don't, I want you to not need me in the future. Like I want you to fire me because I want you to be able to teach yourself better. If our relationship lasts 10 years in the big leagues, by the time 10 years is up and you're 35 years old and you are married with a couple kids running around, I expect you to fix those issues that you had when you were 25. We might have a totally, we are going to have a totally different conversation when you're 35 married with kids running around than you did at 25 and you were just running around with your head cut off trying to survive. But either way, those questions are really valuable because now those questions lead to not only the answer specifically for you, they teach the guy, the person, the gal, whoever it is, to fix their own issues because what you did is you asked a question. And then instead of giving, they ask a question, say, hey, I'll give you an example. For In my industry, it's like, they'll take a swing and say, hey, Kev, how's that look? And I'll ask, well, how does it feel? I could give them the answer how it looks, but that's too easy. I'm not playing the long game with that. I'm putting the Band-Aid quick fix. Now, there are times where we need to quick fix something because of time, whatever it is, right? We all have feel in that situation. If the school's burning, then we're not like, oh, yeah, where do you think the exit is? No, we're going we're gonna to go that way. There's times and places for everything, right? But at the same time, uh, you know, sometimes the best answer to a question is a question in return. And so that leads to that. It's like, I'm not giving them the answer. I'm leading them down a path for them to find out their own answers so that in the future, they don't need me. And they can be better at self-evaluating. We're terrible. All of us are terrible at self-evaluating. But problem solving, they have more confidence because they start going down a checklist. And again, in that, that last night, that, that example last night with the player, 
at the end of it, he was like, yeah, that's who, yeah, that's who we figured out this off season. That's it. Boom, boom, boom. Like three things. And he, at the end of the long text on falling asleep, like it's one thirty in the morning at the end of it, he finally said, that's it. And I said, great job. That's awesome. Great job by you. All right, go to bed. I can't wait to watch you tomorrow. So kind of that's a couple of different examples of, of, again, sometimes the best answer to a question is a question in return. And Kevin, you summed up excellent class. I'm going to jump in here real quickly, Zach. You summed up excellent classroom management like really well because that's what teachers do. Instead of trying to give a consequence, you figure out what's under the hood and then take a different route based upon the answer you get. And that's what I used to do when I taught in K-12. Instead of giving a consequence to a student, I would first pull them aside, talk to them, maybe put their desk next to mine and just have a conversation to figure out what the issue is. Because a lot, a lot of times teachers take things personally and it's hard when you're frustrated and I understand that. But most of the time students' actions aren't about us. It's about what's going on outside of the school that we have no control over. So that, that was a great point. Thank you. Yeah, you're right on with that. Yeah, it's, it's so delicate, right? You just don't, again, environments are where the, I always said, again, I, I hang out with miserable people because, again, you don't know what kind of bad heads roll in every day, right? And, and it's, it is. You guys, I, I respect so much teachers at any level, but especially, you know, you know kids my age, uh, our age too, our son's 11, and he's starting to figure some things out in sixth grade. He thinks he doesn't need school. It's like, ah, I'm good. I'm all right, you know, and then, but it is, it's, um, I really admire what a lot of you do. And a lot of, it's, it's funny, a lot of baseball players, wives or teachers, because it actually kind of fits into the baseball schedule in the summer. That's when they play and they can kind of be with family. But I've known a lot of wives over the years that are just, oh, they're saints. All you guys are awesome. And, you know, it's funny because uh, I'll visit them, like I'll visit a town or they're, you know, they're home in the wintertime and, it's during school year and there'll be like 16 bottles of wine lined up on the, on the table. And I see them in the summer and they're like so much happier. I'm like, well, where's the wine? God, I don't need it anymore. I'm good. Yeah, this is easy. You know, so I have a lot of respect for, for you guys. And thank you, especially special education as well. Thank you. One of my best friends uh, is a special ed teacher here in Philly. And, um, he was also, he pitched some pro ball and, and he's a tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, teacher in that. And, and actually I, when we used to, he used to work for me in my academy back in the day, and we'd have some really long conversations about that. And he's one of the many that taught me how to teach as well. Um, yeah. He used a lot of those special ed um, tricks on, uh, on me to really help me understand the value of the communication management, right? Like you're talking about management, whether it's of the room or the people that you have there and really dive deep into the, into them as a person as much as you can, obviously, right? Um, but you, but you at least put the effort forth. Got you on mute, Zach. There <laughs> Dr. Lewis, the words out of my mouth with what you said um, that was perfectly uh, stated, and and I think special education is really. Uh, I was talking with my uh, mentoring teacher. This is my first year teaching. And uh, we're kind of talking about kind of how special education is a little bit more mainstream now in regards to teaching techniques. And uh, I, I told her, I said, a lot of really good coaches use the same thing that special educators use. And 
Yeah, it just, I mean, and as Dr. Lewis said, it's, you know, listening to you talk about how you coach, uh, it's the same thing. It's just a different environment with, um, with, with uh, coaching. So it's, it's great. It's, um, it's awesome to see. And that's why you're here. So it's really good. Uh, next question here. So what traits do you believe a master coach or a master teacher possesses? I think we've covered some of those already. Being a world-class listener, uh, number one. I think number two is we get paid to notice things. You know, we get paid to notice a mood, body language. Are they slouching? Um, are they short with their answers? Are they not raising their hand in class today? Are they sitting in a different spot? Did you see something going on in the hallway that you don't normally see? Uh, I tell people all the time, like, that's my number one job is, you know, I get paid to notice things. Um, guy comes into the stadium or when I used to coach or used to even now, you know, you watch them on TV and you're like, hmm, something's going on with them. Because you know them so well, you're with them every day. And you know, and you, and you, and you pay, pay attention to that. I think sometimes we get so caught up, right? And we can, we all get caught up, myself included. You got so many different, things going on and you have your roster, so to speak, you have your classroom. And, and um, if we're not paying attention, we can miss a lot of teachable moments, right? And it may not be the teachable moment in that time period, but something that you put in the back of your brain or you write down and you kind of save for later, maybe that conversation a week later, a day later, maybe in that afternoon, or maybe it's a, a, a situation where, like, for example, I, I never liked being called in the manager's office because that means I was either getting released or sent down or something like that. It was always a bad thing at the principal's office. Like, oh, all right, what's going on now? So I always held my meetings outside of an office. Um, I went outside in the stadium or I went, um, you know, I, I held it somewhere else than the office. And I always had an open door policy. And I went even as far and people might say, ah, oh, you're kind of like nitpicking on it. But I, I, I believe again, in the perception of what you say and how you gain trust with people is if you say you have an open door policy, then if they walk by my office and it's closed constantly in a meeting with somebody else or whatever, it's not open all the time. Is that really an open door policy? So I would say, okay, like I'm going to have a meeting with you to talk about something disciplinary or say, Hey, listen, I just, notice something or they ask for a meeting with me. Hey, Kev, can I talk to you about something? I say, hey, okay, I'm going to leave the door open to my office. Because if you walk by, I'm not in my office. I'm not in my office, but the door is open. And I'll, we'll go somewhere else where it's quiet and away from people. So it, you, people aren't even knowing that we're meeting, right? And when, like, after the meeting, we'll just go different ways. And so, you know, keeping the, the, the respect and keeping the trust in, in, involved in that. I think by noticing things that we can we can grab hold of those teachable moments. And, you know, the hitters have hitting journals, right? We all have our kind of journals or things that we mark down our notebooks. And, and for me, it is a lot of that too. And it's really my phone now, just because of, you know, I'm, I'm, normally I'm traveling everywhere and it's just a lot easier to carry one thing and rather than a couple different things, but just in my notes section, just say, hey, hey, like, uh, yeah, man, Zach, I saw him after he struck out today. He just, he went, <clears throat> I never seen him do that. Let's follow back around with that maybe in a day or two. If he keeps doing that, then maybe that's a pain point. Maybe that's something that we've got to address. If it's a one-time deal, I just noticed it. If it comes up again, maybe, you know, it's already happened once. So being a world-class listener, number one. Number two, um, really pay attention and try to notice 
as much as you can. I think the best coaches and teachers and, and leaders and mentors I've been around were the people that you didn't think they were paying attention, but boy, they didn't miss a thing. You know, and for me, it's like, I think we need to be that person, continue to be that person if we are that person, is to try not to miss anything and try to notice what's going on all around us all the time. And, um, you know, those are two things that come to mind right away. That's awesome. Uh, you know, that, that's, I think that's understated. I think um, in, the, in the type of world we kind of live in, I think body language needs to be kind of read more um, because uh, odds are school or, or a sport or a job is, is something that kind of gets someone away. Um, I know several people that that's the case. And, and I know since we're living in the coronavirus era, uh, it's kind of disrupted that. And, and so you're seeing a little bit more mental health problems and deservedly so. It's disrupted everybody's routine. It, and so it's, it's important as uh, coaches and teachers that we listen. And I think, um, I think that's why People, you know, you said people who have, uh, you know, you hear bad stories all the time and they come to you uh, because you, you turn it around for them. And I think right now it, it's super important that, that we have that. I think we have a list first mentality uh, in life, but especially as educators, uh, to have a list first mentality is super important right now. And I think that's something even with e-learning that is important to, Kind of have an open door policy, uh, even online. Um, I know I've I've several on on the education service that we're using. I have several sections to where, hey, if you need me, you can you know reach out, send a comment or something, and and maybe we can get on a you know virtually talk or something, uh, because I, I know that everybody's norm has been totally disrupted, and I think that's um, I think that's important. I think you've been doing that for a long time, even before the pandemic. And that, that's why you, I uh, think you're a first class human being. And I also believe that uh, you are a first class educator because of that. Um, here's you. a question that, that I, I think, I'm sure you've answered this question a, a gazillion times, um, but you often say that hitting is simple, but it's just not that easy. Uh, why is that? I think it's more of a life, like you've taught, you and I've talked about, it's more of a life verse than a hitting verse you know life is simple it's just not that easy and there's rules to follow there's things that we know that's good for us not good for us so um you know we wake up in the morning we can map out our our lesson plan or our day or my development plan which is my my lesson plan same thing it's gotta have a purpose for everything that we do i can't just roll into a cage and be like hey what do you want to do today <laughs> uh, they fire me right away you know um so uh, we can't roll into school like that either. We don't have a job, you know. Uh, so for me, it's it's quite simple. Like if you look at the structure of life, look at the structure of our teaching, our, our um, opportunities to teach, to pour in, to plant seeds, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, but it's really not that easy because there's so many other like hanging uh, balls flying through the air at the same time. Like you just, you're dodging and weaving. You know, we talked about the pandemic and, you know, trying to be flexible through everything. That's what I learned early on is to be flexible. You have your, 
a lot of people in, in my space, they have a philosophy, right? So they have a hitting philosophy. So you can have a teaching philosophy. You can have a school philosophy. You could have a curriculum philosophy. But for me, it's like, I don't have a philosophy. I have principles. And those principles are non-negotiable. I don't care where we're at. I don't care what level you're at. I don't care what time of year it is. I don't know. I don't care any of that. Those are non-negotiables. Like I have principles that I do not budge on. And they're very simple. They're not a long list. We're not, it's not a scroll and I got to go through the whole thing. No, it's, it's stuff over time that I found was important through my experiences, just like you guys, right? So you, you have those non-negotiables. Now within that, I have a philosophy that's very flexible based upon the season of life that we're in, that player that I'm working with, that student, that person, that maybe the parameters that I have to work with. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate now because I'm my own man and I get to consult. So I get to create the own environments, right? But I've been also in environments for organizations, just like you guys and teams, like in terms of, sorry, I use the word teams. I didn't mean it like that. But like in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of organizations, whether it's a school district or whatever, that I, I have to follow some sort of, there's boundaries, right? That are not my boundaries necessarily, but I have to play within that field, those rules. But so I've also had principles that I can still be flexible in that philosophy to the individual person. And I'm still playing within their arena that was set up by the team, the organization or the school in this, in this case. So for me, it's like, I'm, I'm steadfast on my principles. That's the simple part, you know, the not easy part, but at the same time, doable part is I have an opportunity to be flexible with whatever language I'm speaking to that person, whatever questions that I'm asking, whatever that is. And so that's not the easy part, but eventually we get through it. At the end of the day, at the end of the school year, at the end of the season, we look back and say, okay, if I stuck to these principles every day I showed up and we made sure we accomplished this, this, and this, say three things, you know, and we were bobbing and weaving and we were transitioning and doing whatever we had to do. If we had to stay on top of our head one day and it worked and okay, we'll do that. And we didn't compromise the principles. And that's the not easy part. So hitting is simple. It's just not that easy. It's pretty simple to hit a baseball. My, you know, any child can, you can put a ball on the tee and use a big red wiffle ball bat and they just spin around and they make contact, you know, and they might fall down and, that's pretty simple, but if you put them in a major league game right now, no chance. So I think it's like going into school, we just get out of maybe we're first school job. You guys probably remember your first school job. You're all excited. And I mean, I have friends of mine and their kids are a little bit older. And one of them is just a student teaching for the first time in Jersey. And she's got a beautiful board written up and she's so proud. Her smile was so big yesterday. And she's, I'm like, and I texted her father. I'm like, oh, she's in, she's in for the ride now. He goes, yeah, she has no idea. Just like none of us know. Right. So, but if, as long as you have those principles, you can stand behind, you're able to be flexible throughout. And so, yeah, everything that you do is pretty simple, but the day to day is just not that easy sometimes. Perfectly said, perfectly said. And I know, when I think about that quote, I think about that uh, you could apply, you could put any word in there besides hitting. And like you said, life, I mean, life works in there perfectly. And education, that's, I mean, I go back to what you said earlier about, you know, what is 90% of our jobs? And 90% of our jobs is looking after each individual who we come in contact with. 
you know, without my student teaching experience, uh, I was ninth grade at Capitol High School, and 90% of my job there essentially was to make sure that the students felt safe and were in an open learning environment to where they could learn. And if that wasn't there, uh, then not much learning was going to occur. And it's the same thing with, with coaching. I mean, you just, the relationships that you make are so important. And that's, uh, and that's why, you, that's why you are who you are. That's why you're so good. Uh, it's because you create those relationships. Um, so speaking of that, how, how do you create quality relationships with your players and clients? Uh, number one, um, let them understand and know and remind them that it's not about me. It's their career. It's their path. They're the one getting paid millions of dollars. And I'm the guy in the shadows just trying to hold up the puppet set sometimes and um, trying to you know, keep them. Again, you talk about boundaries. Um, you talked about guardrails. I tell them that you have permission to hit uh, the guardrails. It's my job to help you stay on that path. Like I'm giving you permission to hit the, the guardrails. Sometimes I'll tell them an example too. Is like, listen, sometimes we feel like if we exit off of the main road, we exit off, we'll never get back. I felt that when I was younger, sometimes you feel like, oh man, if I, if I just mess up or I, you know, I struck out or I got an F in that class or I had to repeat something or whatever that I got off the road, I'll never find my way back. Like they told me to stay on this road and I just messed up and I can't get back. I explained to them, think about it this way is you're going on the road, you have permission to hit the guardrails and the bumpers or the rumble strips sometimes to tell them, depending on what, they, what makes sense to them. They're, they're reminders, you hit the guardrail, rumble strip, oh, I gotta get back on. But if you go and you go off, it doesn't mean that you go in a ditch and, or you go off the exit and you're forever lost. Think about this way, that you know the rest stops on the side of the road. If I'm on I-70 and I get off on a rest stop on 70, you know, and then all of a sudden I go to the bathroom, get a drink, come back on. Where's the on-ramp from that rest stop? It's right in front of me. I take one way off and one way on. It's a rest. We have permission to, to rest. We have permission to, to take a break, to take a sabbatical, to take a deep breath and know that we're not lost. So the same permission I had to hit the guardrail and get the rumble strips, a reminder is I can take a rest stop because the road to pat back to that path is right in front of me. And you have the permission to go whenever you want to. If you need to take an extra hour to do that, go ahead. Kind of goes back to the math thing. Vicky came down, Chris, what are you doing? He likes to go this way. I took a rest stop and it took me five more minutes to get to that answer. Well, he was on the super highway going to Harvard and I just couldn't race with him. And it was okay. I didn't have to race with him, but I thought I did because I think sometimes kids, right? As you guys know, they're programmed, like you gotta get to this stage by this time or else you're a failure. So going through it too is just understanding that, hey, you gotta rest up on ramps right there. You have permission to get off as many times as you want because you know you can get right back on with that. Um, I got off on that. What am I supposed to be answering here? So I don't ruin your whole. Well, you um, it's pretty much how you um, how do you create quality relationships, and you did a good job with that. Um, and oh, yeah. I think that's so, so yeah. important. As, yeah, it's so yeah, important, like and you did a good job with that. And and what was I going to go with that? 
lost my train of thought. Teacher brain is attacking me, guys. It's been day one, and it's gotten me. It's gotten me. Um, but yeah, there's so coming back to this. Quality teachers, I think, are very authentic, and that's you. You're authentic. Uh, you allow the students to hit the you know speed bumps or guardrails, and and that creates a safe and open environment. If if a student think, believes that you know they won't get punished for one mess up or one one time they fail, that opens up. I mean them to be authentic and to be vulnerable. Um, so I think you're again it's you're an awesome guest because of this and and you're showing what true teachers do uh, no matter what profession that they're in uh, educators are educators no matter what profession they're in and that's you and um, probably the last question I have well, Zach, there, can, I, can I stop you, Zach real quick um, what things did, what speed bumps I speak I know we have a lot of driving phrases here yeah yeah. All right, cool. I think we're lagging a little bit. So I, I apologize if I was talking over you. But I did want to mention one thing, though, with that, like that relationship thing. Yeah. I think and I, I think you guys just kind of get in a sense of, of a little bit more of the room a little bit and, and where you guys are at and what you're doing. I think you certainly have done this in the past, too, is how we build those relationships. And I, I started off with saying that, you know, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about them. But through our questions and through our in, intentional listening, listening to understand, not listening to, to reply, right? Listening to truly understand what's coming out of that player's or student's mouth and truly, really focusing in on them. And so our questions in response to them are based upon our intent listening to understand. And I think also through that, that allows us access past the first gate right? The first wall they put up and they knock that down. And then the second wall. And then all of a sudden now, if you come back to them the next day about something, maybe you heard, or maybe you bring them something. I mean, I, I'll send text messages guys with things like, Hey, they love hunting, right? I'm not a hunter. I don't know anything about hunting, but they say, Hey, I'm looking for this new bow. Well, I'm three degrees separated from someone who can get them that bow. So I'll be like, Hey, know this and I'll send it to them. And then all of a sudden they'll arrive on their door and they'll be like, how the heck did you do this? you don't know anything about hunting. I said, yeah, but I see this as a passion of yours and you need a hobby off the field because you're doing too much baseball and you're ruining yourself. So I got you a hobby. What do you like to do? Shoot things. I'm not saying you know, like in the middle of Chicago, you can't go shoot a deer, but we can put up a thing, a target in your apartment and you can shoot into that when you go home after the game. And when you wake up and you go to the, before you go to the park to get you in a frame of mind, that's away from baseball to get you a hobby, so to speak. So because I'm listening intently, then they're like, wow, like he really was listening to me. Like, when did I, when did I talk about bow, bow hunting? I'm like, dude, you talk about it every other minute, right? But you gain that trust because you're like, wow, this dude really cares about me. And he really is going, and I'm not saying you have to, got to send gifts to 35 people. It's just an example of many, but in terms of like, like I, I'm gaining their trust because now I'm listening intently to them to understand them and not just listening to reply through that breaking down walls, breaking down barriers, right? As you guys know, and you just kind of whittle and you chisel. It's like water dripping on a rock. The water keeps dripping on that rock, on that rock. And all of a sudden, 10 years from now, that rock begins to deteriorate, maybe splits 100 years from now, whatever. It's those, those constant drips 
right? It's like the drip in the sink. It's like, oh man, it's like over and over and over. And all of a sudden, if you let it go, then part of your sink needs replacing because it's just consistent. But you, you, you post every day, you're consistent every day and listening to them, pour, like trying to pour into them as a person, not trying to fix their problems initially, just being there to listen. That was a big thing I learned early on. I had the answer and I wanted to fix it. Kind of what we were talking about earlier in terms of timing of the communication, but boy, I've learned over time is like, listen, even if I have the answer right now and it's not urgent right now, and I have to build a little bit more of that trust through that relationship, let me get to know that person as a person a little bit more. And then when they come to me, maybe I'll be their second call. Maybe I'll be their third call at the, at the beginning, right? but then eventually I'll be their first call. And that's the thing. I, they, you want your students to come to you first, right? Over time, because we've built that trust. It's, it takes time, right? We, I tell coaches, young coaches all the time, they wanna, young teachers, same thing, I'm sure. It's like, it takes time. And the wisdom that we all gain over time is through that experience of all the different times I messed up. I spoke too soon. I didn't listen intently enough. I gave the wrong answer. I, I babbled on. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't fix it quick enough. And people sometimes ask me, like, is there pressure working with millionaires? I said, I don't see any pressure. I'm very confident in what I do. And I think the same thing would apply to you guys. Like if you're confident in what you're doing, it doesn't matter who you're with. But listen, I, I put in a lot of hours, just like you guys put in a lot of hours into what you're doing. And you gain a lot of wisdom through that experience. So no, I don't have pressure because if I mess up a millionaire, my business is done. If I mess up a 10 year old in a, in a hitting lesson, no one's going to know about it. Right. So I had to go through that experience of messing up a 10 year old 20 years ago. And no one knew about and i wish i could call that kid and say i'm sorry i apologize but to now it's again where we're at it's say okay i don't don't feel any pressure at all because i i know how to build that trust build that relationship and therefore the timing of my communication to the to the noticing things to all that is like that's what i'm here for and sometimes i I'll, I'll finish with this sometimes i i i sit here and it was just the other day and i'm like God, why, why can't I just have a, a guy that just has a good, easy year? Right? And that's, to me, that's the cop-out. And it reminds me of, you're not here to, to work with the guys that have it easy. You're here to walk alongside the ones that are constantly hitting the guardrails, that need the, the rest stops, that need your uh, ear and most of the time, I don't even say anything. Guys will text and be like, thanks so much for that. And it's like one of the, no offense, but the high school girl text message thread that goes like the 20 pages and are trying to pour out their heart to you. And then the teenage boy's like, whatever. I'll get those. But at the end, they're like, thank you so much. I just needed that. Then I needed to get it off my chest. And did I do anything? No. But was I available? Yes. And sometimes a lot of the times is if we're available to somebody, that's sometimes all that's needed in that moment, in that time. Mike drop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike's right down the road. Or, or he doesn't live too far from the schoolhouse. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he don't need any help. He, he might need some fathery help. He's a father now, so he might need some. 
<laughs> I just can't remember what it is to change right. baby's diaper anymore. I don't know what that. I totally forgot that. That was a long time ago. Kevin, awesome. I couldn't have asked for anything else and anything more. That was perfect. That was excellent tonight. Um, I want to say thank you for for being on here. Uh, and probably a little, maybe a little bit out of your comfort zone, a little bit maybe. Um, but with that being said, this was awesome, super worthwhile. Um, I'm gonna leave it up to everybody else. Uh, do y'all have any questions for Kevin specifically? I don't have any really good job relating this back to education. It it was a perfect fit. Okay. Yeah. I was, I, I'm like Zach. I don't. I love baseball. So, uh, like getting to see how what we do in a classroom relates to not even just high school or middle school and younger kids, but that like we learn throughout our life. And I feel like if we don't make the relationships with our students, they won't get to enjoy what they're going to learn and how, like get to enjoy what they can learn. Yeah. It's, it's, we're in the people business, right? We're in the people business, no matter if they hold a pencil or hold a bat. Yeah. Because they're all going to be done school one day. Um, and they're all going to be done playing one day. So how can we leave a legacy? That's, that's a, um, if we had another hour, we could talk about that. Like there's, there's so many layers to it. I think for all of us, right. Is there's a bigger purpose to what we do. And, uh, I should say why we do, there's a bigger purpose to why we do what we do. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I used to being comfortable, being uncomfortable, Zach. I mean, baseball taught me that. Um, and I wasn't always that way. Um, so I'm grateful for my terrible playing baseball career because it taught me a lot of life lessons along the way that I can, you know, flip the script and, and, and help people that were much more um, talented, much are much more talented than I was. But you're not trying to cut corners with their career because I think sometimes if we try to um, step past the lesson, if we try to zoom past that rest stop, they're going to miss the valuable lessons that they learn while they're in the rest stop. And it's, it's just like, again, coaching is parenting, teaching is parenting. Um, you know, and, and sometimes I used to get this all the time with parents with lessons. It's like, why is my kid not five for five? I'm like, dude, this game is hard and he's going to mess up. Like, why did he make it? Why did he make an error? You look and you dive a little bit deeper. Those parents don't watch TV. They don't watch baseball games. They nowadays they all see the Instagram posts of everything is so perfect and the perfect swing and the perfect home run and they think little Johnny's got 25 homers and two weekend games and it's not the case. There's a lot of I would say hitting is messy. Life is messy. Teaching is messy. All that and I think it's giving them that playground to scrape their knee, bump, hit the guardrail, do all that. And if we're there for them and they know that we're never going to leave them. And we're going to have that presence there and knowing that no matter what you do, if you, I mean, so my guys, you cuss me out and you tell me you hate me. And the next day it's like a Jacqueline Hyde. And it's like, Oh, thank you so much for last night. That was great. It's like, Hey, I thought you hated me. But knowing that they trust you and they know that you're always present, you're always available and that you're going to love them unconditionally. Um, we may not know the, the, um, the harvest of it at the time, but if we're going to leave a legacy, do our best, I think, in my opinion, I'm gonna to try to do my best to be able to plant the seeds now that when they're 
older and I love getting invited to weddings. It's like one of the best things I could ever do as a coach um, is to be invited to a wedding because can you guys still hear me? Yes. Okay. I just had a thing so unstable, but the, the weddings that I've been invited that we've been invited to um, really says a lot because you just don't invite anybody <coughs> to a wedding, you know? Um, so, and to be as part of their inner circle is very, very humbling to use it in the right sense, because I don't think that when I look around those tables and I'm, I see the most important people in their life, sometimes not even all the parents all the time, you know, but I look around there at the wedding and I'm at the main table of their inner circle. I'm like, wow. Cause sometimes I don't realize the magnitude of my seat on their bus. And so we all have a bus, the player, the teacher has their own bus. And over time, it's, it's our job to help teach them how to fill the seats on the bus and to teach them that you need to have this type of person, this type of person, this type of person, this type of person. The seating assignments may change over the course of your lifetime. Some people may get off the bus while others get on the bus. But at the end of the day, for you is, for me rather, it's like, if I have a seat on your bus, I'm tremendously grateful. I take it seriously. I'm trying to build a legacy, long lasting lessons, life lessons through the game of baseball, through the game of hitting, which is the hardest thing to do in all sport. Again, it's, I pick like the most rocky road thing, but I think it does relate to students and teaching where it's messy. But at the end of the day, if we have, if we understand why we do it, we have a good why that helps us with our purpose every day that it, that fills us up, that gets us going. Some days I don't want to teach. Some days I don't want to deal with another hothead. Some days I don't want to go to the ballpark. That's just the reality of it. But reminding myself, like, why are you doing this? Why do you hang out with miserable people? Why can't you have the Mike Trouts? Well, my purpose in life is not to, Mike doesn't need me. He doesn't need anybody. He's the 1% and the 1%. But the 99, I'm not going to leave him behind. And so I'm going to be able to make sure that I'm going to service those that, that need it in that moment in time. That's strange that you... Thank you enough. And thank you enough for tonight. Oh, thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. What were you, you going to say? I was going to say it's strange that you were comparing baseball you know, and teaching, I have some of Zach's uh, baseball players in my class, and that's how I teach them. It's like, okay, you've got one strike on this paper. You got to, you know, fix it, or there's an error, or, you know, you're coming around the bases. That's how I get to them as I relate what I'm doing to what they're doing on the field. That's awesome. So it was well, kind baseball of players, we don't have too many plays in our playbook. It's really one thing. Do so you have to relate? For us, we, you know, just don't put us in O2 counts all the time. That gets us nervous. <laughs> no, nervous. I always give them, you know, like, oh, that's a foul. I like that. <laughs> I like that. that. <laughs> you're, you're the hype coach. We need a hype coach every once in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, you know, I'm at the point now in my career where I have kids of kids that I started out with. And they're like, yeah, my mom told me that you did that. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. It's funny when my son went to school where I went. So again, I told you at the beginning, I'll finish real quick with this is uh, he had some of the same teachers that I had, like I said, at the beginning. And it was amazing when they had me, I was a terror. I was in the principal's office all the time. So the principal, she was, she, she now was like, uh, at this time was like some sort of like, she was hanging around, but she wasn't the principal or whatever. First day I walked in the door. Oh, sweetheart. Oh, Brandon, your father was an angel. I was in her office being in trouble like every other week. <laughs> and like all the teachers that I had are like, oh, your dad was the best. Braden, your dad, oh, he was so good. I'm like, well, I'm glad he's hearing that because I don't want him to hear the other story before I grew up. <laughs> so thank you for all you do. I just want to thank you guys for this opportunity and thank you for all you do on a daily basis in the shadows that not doesn't get a lot of praise and I can relate to that. As Zach knows, I love working in the shadows. Not a lot of people know what I do by, by design. Um, so I really just want to thank you and all the teachers that watch this. That um, I thank you for uh, your daily commitment um, and really working behind the shadows. Because um, again, a, a good teacher, as I said at the beginning, really obviously can change a life. And, and it's how we value and use our five minutes every day to be intentional and continue to change lives. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.